It's an absolute delight to be with you this morning, and uh, a particular delight of mine to welcome those who are food bank volunteers or involved in some way. So here's the list, so be listening, because if you're in this list and you're able to do so, I'd love you to stand in a second uh, just so that we can show our appreciation. So if you are a volunteer, if you're one of our community champions, if you help with our collections, if you contribute in any way to the food bank, would you just like to stand where you are, please? We'd love to just uh, say... Uh, thank you. Look at that. Is there anybody left sitting? Thank you so much for all that you're doing. Thank you. Do take a seat. As you can see, there's a crowd involved, and there's many people who've actually sent their apologies because they can't be with us today and uh, are yet to uh, come and experience something of what you're here this morning. So we're hoping to put a little presentation together for them as well who were unable to make it. An extensive number of people are involved with the food bank. Uh, I only oversee it one day a week, so I have this privilege of actually sitting in Bodmin, and it all happens. And as you can imagine, I just sit there, it all happens like clock, well, most of the time. Uh, Seriously, it's an amazing, as Nigel said, an amazing uh, adventure, really. And uh, I'm extremely grateful to everybody uh, for all that you give and all that you do. We've just had our annual Trussell Trust inspection. So we're part of the Trussell Trust network of food banks. We had our inspection on Wednesday. And it was great. Yay! They loved it. So thank you, everybody, for all your efforts. And the fact that that went well is a tribute and a credit to all of you. Well, my history with food bank actually goes right back to the beginning. As uh, the founders of it were actually friends of mine in our church in Salisbury. And at that point, uh, Paddy and Carol Henderson were extensively involved in Bulgaria in running uh, refugee camps and different things there. And one night, a woman in Salisbury came up to Paddy and asked him what he was doing for those who were going hungry on his own doorstep. She basically said, it's all very well what you're doing in Bulgaria, but do you realize there's people hungry in the very city you live in? And that, as they say, is history. And they happened to live just outside Salisbury, and they happened to have a good garden shed. Here's the shed. That was the first food bank in the UK. I have the privilege of saying, I've seen that shed. It's a genuine shed. And it was a shed that was full of beans and other things (laughs) at that point. And that first shed contained the first food bank in the UK. And it really was a prophetic moment. I mean by that, it was a God-inspired moment. It was on the wave, ahead of the wave of what was to come. And now, 21 years later, this is where we have. We have 420 food banks operating across the UK. They operate out of 1,230 outlets. And last year, they supplied 1,332,952 food parcels, each containing three days' supply of food. One shed, 21 years later, See what God can do with one little idea, one little shed, and a lot of beans. The food bank here in St. Austell started in 2010, originally in the More Than Coffee outlet in town. And that was inspired by these verses from Isaiah 61, which starts like this. Isaiah was a prophet writing in the Old Testament. He said this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And these are actually the verses that Jesus quoted at the beginning of his earthly ministry. 
They talk about hope. They talk about freedom. They talk about restoration. And in attempting to embody these uh, values, this church founded the food bank here in St. Austell in association with the Trussell Trust. You see, for this church, being drawn to those verses inspired the embodiment of those values taking form of the food bank here in St. Austell. A few verses from the Bible changed everything. And what I want to suggest this morning, and we're going to hear from various people about their involvement, some good stories from the food bank. What I want to suggest this morning is this, that one line can change everything. One line can change everything. That may be just one comment, one question, maybe even a criticism, one opportunity, whatever it is, one line can change everything. So should we get straight to some examples? Yes, John. Okay. <laughs> Here's some examples. Lorna's going to come. Lorna's one of our volunteers, and Lorna's going to share a little bit of what she's got, seen God doing in and through the food bank. Lorna, thank you. Hi, good morning. Um, I've been um, working at the food bank since the coffee shop in town, and um, part of the Trestle Trust ethos is that we offer to pray for each and every volunteer and um, client that comes in, and so we try and do that. And... Uh, Last Tuesday, before I went to the food bank, I had um, a little conversation with God. I says, I've been praying. I've been praying for six years. And I haven't seen a miracle. And um, God sort of said to me, perhaps you're asking me how to answer the prayer. Perhaps you're telling me how to answer the prayer, rather than allowing me to answer it in the way I want to answer it. Anyway... Got into the food bank, and we were one person short, and um, so we were doing food parcels and ministering, and I was ministering to this one guy, um, I prayed for him, and he had a friend who'd come in, brought him in, and the friend said, uh, do you remember me? And I sort of said, well, your face seems familiar, and then he said, uh, you prayed for me? I said, did I? He said, yeah, and he stood up, and he said, look, and he took his shopping and he went like this. He said, you prayed for my shoulder and it's healed. You see, one line changes everything. One man, his arm's able to work, and we have a happy Lorna. It's all win, isn't it? <laughs> one line changes everything. And that brings us nicely to a character in the Bible I want us to consider this morning as we continue to think about the food bank. And that's a little fellow called Zacchaeus, the little man for whom one line changed everything. Have a look at this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor And if I have cheated anybody out of everything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Do you know, I love this little fellow, not just because he's short and needs to climb trees and I can relate to that. But I love it because of his keenness to engage with Jesus. He'll have heard about Jesus, this prophet who's gathering some ground. He's excited by this. But Jesus is simply, Luke tells us, passing through Jericho. And Zacchaeus was a resident tax collector. Now, just to give you a bit of the scenario here, if you were a tax collector, you were essentially working for the Romans. So you were hated. You were working for the occupying force at that time. So little Zacchaeus runs ahead. He climbs the tree. And again, if you've ever been to Sunday school, you've probably got the little idea of the toilet rolls with the little Zacchaeus climbing up it. You've made the model or you've drawn the picture. But actually, Zacchaeus probably would have been in his robes. He would have been looking particularly smart. And he shimmies up a tree. He's that keen to see Jesus that he'll make every effort to see him. And then the most amazing interchange happens between him and Jesus. Because out of all the people in that crowd, and you can imagine, there are hundreds of hundreds of people flogging around, trying to see Jesus, trying to get through that crowd. Jesus walks down the road and he looks straight up into that tree. And he calls Zacchaeus by name. Do you see the way Jesus works? Out of all the people in the crowd, he sees one person and he calls him by name. And the most amazing thing is this, that he works in exactly the same way today. We can find ourselves in the crowd. We can feel lost in the crowd. But if we make that slightest bit of effort, then Jesus calls us by name as well. And look how he treats him. He speaks well of him. He picks him out. He honors him. And it shows us so clearly the way that Jesus relates to people. He calls Zacchaeus by name, not, oh, you tax collector. Zacchaeus, he knows who he is, with, of course, not knowing who he is, the wonder of how God works. And he calls Zacchaeus by name and he honors him. And folks, the privilege of being involved in the food bank is that we can do exactly that four afternoons a week downstairs. You won't be surprised to hear that people can feel incredibly embarrassed to come into the food bank. But the welcome that they get, that smile that our volunteers gives them, makes such a difference. And when they come in and hand in that voucher, they get offered refreshments. The food is prepared. They get offered support, advice and prayer as part of their experience of coming into our food bank. You see, we honour people who come into the food bank. We give them back just that little bit of respect. As Nigel said earlier, in Tesco's in the collection just a week ago Thursday, I was there for the morning. Just in that four-hour period, three people came with a full trolley, dropped it beside our collecting trolley and just went, that's for you, I've been there. We honour people. And you know, in honouring people... One line changes everything. And so Jesus gets dear old Zacchaeus to come down from his sycamore fig tree. Down he clambers. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house for tea. Jesus says, let's have a cuppa, shall we? 
or the equivalent first century Jewish version of that. You see, there's something really natural about the way Jesus comes alongside people. He just wants to have a cup of tea. And yet the people don't like it. I don't know if you noticed as we read it, but Luke says that the crowd start muttering. What's he doing? Why is this teacher, why is Jesus mixing with these sinners? The muttering is there in the crowd. And if I'm honest with you this morning, then, as Nigel hinted earlier, not everybody likes what we do. Because for each of those three trolleys I was given in Tesco's last week, I also had three comments from people who said we shouldn't be serving those lazy people, use whatever phrase you feel appropriate in a church setting. But only three people. But three people nevertheless. One of them said to me, you shouldn't be feeding them, they're all lazy, etc., etc. And I said, you're absolutely right, we shouldn't be feeding them. A great way to disempower his argument altogether. And it's not only I that think that, but of course the Archbishop of Canterbury, you know, we relate quite well on these things, he thinks the same. The Archbishop of Canterbury, if you heard him in this talk this week to the TUC, said that we shouldn't have food banks. Do you know the most amazing thing about being on the food bank team is none of us think we should have a food bank. And we've never lost that. But folks, the fact is, we shouldn't need food banks in the UK in this day and age, but we do. And when we do, it is crucial that the church is at the very forefront of that response. And I am proud to say that I know the people who had the vision of that first shed that today means over 420 food banks operate throughout churches in the UK today. We shouldn't have food banks, but we do. And the church should be at the very forefront of that. And why is that? Because I believe if Jesus was here today, it's where he'd be. Every Monday afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon, and Friday afternoon. If I'm honest, he'd probably be putting pressure on us to do Wednesdays as well. The muttering in the crowd didn't put Jesus off. And God forbid the muttering in the crowd should put us off what we feel God has called us to do with the food bank. But as we read the story of Zacchaeus, we see the impact of that encounter. Verse 8, Luke writes this. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. One line changes everything. Look at the detail here. Jesus doesn't say to him, now, Zacchaeus, have you thought about following me? Zacchaeus, would you like to pray this prayer? And shock horror, he doesn't even say, would you like to come on an alpha course? He doesn't say it. Just being in the very presence of Jesus and seeing the way he treats people is enough to absolutely transform the life of this tax collector. One line changes everything. And again, in the food bank, this is what we seek to do. People walk through our door who are very vulnerable. They've got to that point of crisis. We are a food service for those in absolute crisis. We have people come through the door who have nothing left in their cupboards. These people can easily feel that everything is against them. But once they come in, we're able to express that care and that compassion. We're able to represent the people of this town that care. As you heard our stats earlier, there's no doubt the people of St. Austell care by the very amount of food that we get donated in. They come into this building representing the fact that the church cares. They're met by people who show that they care. And ultimately our prayer is they realize that God cares. That's why the food bank operates. 
But Zacchaeus' response that we see here is extreme. Even for a loyal Jew, he will give away half of his possessions and pay back four times the amount that he cheated people. In the Old Testament, the rules specified that an extra 20% had to be added to any amount that was stolen. I don't know how good you are at maths. I'm not. I'd have to look this up. But essentially, what he's given is not 20%, but 400% in what he gives back. Or in other words, Zacchaeus gives gives his all. In other words, one line changes everything. Being valued as a human being, being loved by God, it changes everything. And valuing people is something that is absolutely key to the way we operate in the food bank. Yes, the food is obviously, we're a food bank. The clue is in the title. But we have the privilege of also having a number of people who serve with us as community champions. That's those who've undertaken training to be able to give information, advice, and guidance. And I'm delighted now to welcome up Rob, who's one of our newest recruits as a community champion. Thank you, Rob. Good morning, everybody. This used to be a question and answer. This is a question and answer, panic not. So, Rob, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the food bank. Well, I think I can reflect perhaps over a couple of Christmases or so, John, where um, perhaps like one or two people in this room, you're sitting there, there's just the two of us, because all our family are away elsewhere, deciding as to which repeat you're going to watch next. And we said to one another, wouldn't it be nice to be doing something useful or something sociable? And last Christmas, we did exchange these words, and uh, I was aware of the food bank. We had visited you in the Truro Road a long time back. Yep. Uh, not as clients, I might say, but we had visited. Yeah. And so we, I think it was January time we contacted you, and in February yep. we enlisted as volunteers, and that, that's effectively the story for us joining the, the yeah, food bank. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I mean, you're a man of your word. You sat there Christmas Day and said, let's explore it. January, you call me, we're in. We meet. And I think it's fair to say that on that first meeting, you, you didn't have a great awareness of the needs of St. Oscar. Is that fair? No, absolutely fair. I think the thing that surprised me the most of all, John, was when you said to me that we're currently feeding 8% of St. Austell's population. And I, I'm fully aware I've led a sheltered life. And that absolutely shocked me because I think my words to you were, we're supposed to be living in a civilized society. Yeah, well, yeah. It doesn't sound terribly civilized. No, absolutely. So you came on board as a volunteer, and Angie, your wife, did too. And uh, you started with us. Within weeks, there was a, a certain pressure. Uh, we call it the Sue Vincent factor. Um, <laughs> and that started to kick in a little... Sorry, Sue. It's true. And it started to kick in a little bit, that little pressure of, Rob, you make a great community champion. So tell us what you do with a community champion. Well, Rob. I did threaten to expose Sue on this anyway. Well, um, we've, we've done it. Carry but, on. Um, yeah, the role of community champion is, effectively, as John said earlier, to just give information, advice, and guidance to the people who come into the food bank because, obviously, the fact they're there, they're in some trouble. Um, for us, of course, the key bits are really information and signposting as such. Um, and, obviously, if we're supporting people as we do do, um, then we can offer them guidance too. Advice we can do, but it's very limited because obviously we don't have particular expertise to give advice in certain fields of counselling or uh, legal advice or financial advice. We can give general life advice, I think. But it's mainly a signposting operation. And it's actually really quite rewarding. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you've gained through being involved. Well, there are two things that really sort of brought me up fairly short. I was sitting with a lady one day and... um, she just quite openly said, I spent my last pound this morning. So we're talking about one lines. I don't know whether I've delivered any one lines yet, but uh, I've certainly received a few. 
And there was another lady, a youngish lady in her early 40s with a young family, telling me that her husband, for, for, on this day I was doing a pit form for her, um, had suffered an industrial injury, had his back fused together in several places, and he could only sit up in bed. And I just, she was the same age as my daughter. It does bring sort of certain feelings to mind. And uh, you, you, your heart does go out a little bit to these people because you think, they're, for the grace of God, go I. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, sorry, John, what was the question? No, the, the question was what you gained through being involved. And it sounds like you're there, really, but keep going. Well, I think, certainly for me, the, 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 the prospect of actually getting somebody in who's got a problem, distressed, and it's amazing how resilient people are, actually. But... Um, to actually try and make a difference, and maybe even on occasions make that difference for them that day or over the next few days or weeks, as it may be, um, is something really quite special. And actually, I come to see it as a bit of a privilege to even be able to do that or have the opportunity to do it. So um, it, it's really quite great, actually, John. And I'm just amazed at the whole operation. Yeah, lovely. Rob, thank you very much for your time. Thanks very much. Thank you. You see, one line changes everything. Jesus' relationship with Zacchaeus is also, of course, an example to us. But actually, so is the little man, Zacchaeus. I like little men who are examples to us. Zacchaeus is an example in this. Because sometimes we read reminding that the Christian life is more than finding Jesus. It's actually about following him. In other words, if we make that decision to know Jesus, we want to invite him into our lives, we want to live for him, then it's not just finding him, but it's following him. And it's understanding that that has implications about how we spend our time, how we spend our money. It has implications, let's face it, about everything. One line changes everything. I was only 13 years old when I came to know Jesus for myself. I had the privilege of growing up in a church family. And at 13 years old, somebody was speaking at a meeting in which it was clearly put that Jesus had died for my sins. And that I could be transformed and I could invite him into my life. Not some religion that I could experience, but a relationship personally myself with Jesus. And on that night, I went forward to the front and I asked Jesus into my life. It was absolutely life transforming. It blew me away, just that sense of the love of God in my life and the transformation it made. For me, one line changed everything. And honestly, it's been quite an adventure since I was 13 years old. I've worked as a youth and community worker throughout different places in the UK and then ended up as a church leader in various parts and then finally felt called by God to move back to Cornwall in 2016. And I used to attend a monthly church leaders prayer meeting in Salisbury where I was before I came back down. And on my last one, they'd done me the classic coffee and cake and John Lovey said, we'd love to pray for you as you go. And they did exactly that. It was a lovely time of fellowship. The other leaders were great and sending me off. And then one of them came up and just whispered in my ears and he said this, John, I really admire you for doing this because I don't know that I could. You see, I'm actually pretty comfortable where I am. That was one of the leaders of one of the other churches in Salisbury at the time. Now, I don't say that to make out like, well, yeah, but I'm a bit of a superhero for Jesus. I just went. I don't say it like that at all. But I do tell you this, and I mean it. When I, at 13, made that commitment to follow Jesus, I didn't say, I'll follow you as long as it's comfortable. 
I didn't say to him, I'll follow you as long as we can negotiate the way and it can be on my terms. When I realized what Jesus had done for me, that he'd given me everything, my only response was to give him everything in return. And I pray I've done that. I certainly try and do that for all the challenges that bring us as well. I didn't put conditions on it. The reason I didn't is because one line changed everything. I knew the freedom that Jesus had brought me. And I have the privilege of seeking to bring that freedom to others as well. And as St. Austell Light in Life, we have the privilege of doing that four times a week, downstairs in this very building. That we have the opportunity to bring life, to bring freedom, to bring hope to people. It is such a privilege to be involved. 36 volunteers give their time, both church members and not church members. They're committed to seeing that freedom, that hope, that restoration brought. And if you're part of this church, you're part of that. What a privilege that is. And when we get involved in those ways, a bit like Zacchaeus, not only does it change those that we impact, but of course it changes our lives as well. Sana too is one of our community champions and she's going to come now and share a little bit of just what it's meant to her as well. Right, I'm not very good with, at this, so just uh, bear with me. Um, John spoke, um, I think it was last year, and uh, it was very inspiring, John. So thank you for that. Um, and uh, God just laid a really clear call on my heart, and I just knew that um, I wanted to be a part of the food bank, and I spoke to John. It had been something that I'd kind of been thinking about for a while, and um, so I started working at the food bank last year, and, and Sue was really my mentor and uh, has just been amazing um, just in kind of teaching me how things work. Um, it's been such a, a humbling experience. I meet people from all walks of life, and, um, yeah, it's been absolutely incredible. Um, such a blessing, and I feel so privileged to work with um, such a lovely team. Um, a Sikh guy came in last week and God gave me the opportunity to pray with him. And in return, I got a fantastic, uh, genuine Indian uh, curry recipe. So I was really chuffed with that. Um, <laughs> it's kind of amazing what you get in return. I think I get more than what I could ever give. So that's uh, great. Um, yeah, God's given me opportunities to pray with so many people and nearly every person I meet. I can't quite believe that People say yes sometimes. I kind of think they're going to say no. But nearly every person I meet says yes. And I think it, it still surprises me, not because I don't think God can do it, but just because I kind of, yeah, you kind of don't think that people are actually going to say yes to prayer. It's um, And he's just allowed me to, to sit with some really broken-hearted people who are in some horrendous, horrendous situations. Um, I think what connects us all, though, and... What strikes me is that, um, in spite of you know our circumstances, is that same need for for love, um, sorry, for peace, for healing, and for wholeness. And I think that um, by just being welcomed into the food bank, being given a, a cup of tea, and just being heard and not judged, means that our clients are given a, a safe space to hopefully start that process of getting back on their feet. 
Um, it's obviously a journey for everyone, and for some it's it's a lot harder, and we don't always have the answers. Um, and I get frustrated. I go home, and often I take it with me, and I think that's something I have to learn is I have to give it to God because I know I can't fix them. Only God can can come into that brokenness and bring that healing. Um, as community champions, we don't have an agenda. Um, and as a and as a Christian myself, I certainly don't preach at them. Um, I just love, and I know that that's the same for all of us there, that we just love. Um, but I've had so many opportunities to share what God has done in my life and the journey that I'm on and I'm still on. Um, sorry, I should have actually done this on an A4 piece of paper. Sorry. Um, yeah, so my, my um, kind of request is that for those of you who pray, um, can you just pray that we would continue to have those opportunities to um, just meet with people where they're at and to pray with them um, and that they would know God's unconditional love and that, uh, yeah, they would just have an encounter with him. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. I want to end with one little illustration that I hope will give us a sort of thought to think about this afternoon, this morning even, and that's this. This is somebody on a trapeze. You got it? This is somebody on a trapeze. A couple of years ago, a chap walked into my office who was working uh, in the telecommunications business. He was earning a lot of money, and he was very secure in that job, to be honest. But he felt that God was challenging him, and God was calling him into something else. And he came into my office, and uh, we just started at that point in my previous church, we just started a CAP, a Christians Against Poverty Center. Christians Against Poverty, again like the Food Bank, an amazingly prophetic organization uh, that was inspired many years ago and has grown right across the UK and now across the world in providing debt advice to those in extreme debt. And Frank sat in my office and he said, John, I'm feeling that God is calling me to give up my job and instead to volunteer for the CAP Centre here in Salisbury. And Frank used this little illustration, which I share with you this morning because I love it. It's one that challenges me and it's one I try and keep think of quite regularly. Frank said this, He says, sometimes, John, I just feel like I'm on a trapeze and I'm swinging. Everything's quite comfortable. I'm going through the swings of life, but everything's quite comfortable. And then I realized, he says, that actually if you're a trapeze artist, then it's not until you let go of that trapeze and you leap and grab the next one that the crowd goes wild. And then he said this, because he said, Unless you take that leap, all you are really is some fool swinging from the rafters. But when you leap and you grab that next one, the crowd goes wild. Frank gave up a substantial job in London to volunteer at his local Christians Against Poverty Centre. After a couple of months, he said he'd never felt so fulfilled in his whole life. Zacchaeus took some incredible risks. 
he looked a bit of a fool up his tree. But it was so worth it because he was exactly where he was meant to be. And then Jesus could reach out to him. And as he encountered Jesus, his life is changed forever. You know, the joy of having the food bank in this very building is we don't have to go looking out there on the streets of St. Austell for those who we might bring this hope and this freedom and this good news to. They come to us four afternoons a week downstairs. And you could be part of that. And many of you are part of that. So here's some challenges for us just to think about this morning. First off, where's your Zacchaeus? The person who maybe Jesus is prompting you to go to, to invest time in, to remind them that they are important, to remind them that you do care, to remind them that God does care. To allow one line to change everything for them. And maybe here's another challenge for us this morning. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're in that crowd. And you've made just that little effort to find that tree and climb it this morning. And you're aware that God is speaking to you, that he's calling you. And saying that he wants you too to experience this life, this freedom, this purpose and this hope that only he can provide. Folks, it's so simple. It's so simple that a 13-year-old little bloke could stand before Jesus and say, I know that I need you in my life. I'm sorry for what I've done wrong. I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to restore me to what I need to be with you. One line changed my life. And it could change your life today as well. If you're here this morning and you feel that God is calling to you in that way, please come. Speak to Pete or myself, the prayer team that will be over here at the end. We'd love to tell you more about what it is to know Jesus. Think about the Alpha course that's starting. Amazing opportunity to explore the truths that Jesus sends to us. And here's the final challenge. Maybe this morning, if you're honest, you're feeling a bit of a fool who's swinging from the rafters. You can see that other trapeze just swinging towards you and you think, gosh, maybe God is calling me to make that leap. Maybe into something completely different. Maybe into something that's just a little bit outside of your comfort zone. But you know it's God who's calling you. Don't be left swinging like a fool. Make that leap this morning that the crowd would go wild. Because you're going exactly after what God has for you. Three challenges that I put before you this morning. Look out for your Zacchaeus, the person you need to serve. Respond if you think that Jesus is reaching out to you this morning. And finally, don't be left swinging. If God is calling, he will give you the courage to respond. Just like this church had the courage to respond all those years ago and set up the phenomenal food bank that we have the privilege of being part of. Why do we do that? Why do we continue to do it? One line changes everything. And the privilege is that we too can give that one line that might change somebody else's life.